0: are locked on Astros your daily Houston Astros podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: I am locked on Houston Astros and I hope that you join me for daily locked on Astros podcast my name is Eric Heisman you can find me on Twitter at Eric talk Stroh's you can find the show at locked on Astros your team every day You can get Locked On Astros on the podcast App Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play the podcast. Locked On Astros. I guess I messed that up. But I'm being joined by Astros minor leaguer Gray Kessinger. Uh, Where can they find you on Twitter?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Swagulator. Swagulator15.
1: All right, so uh, I know that uh, you were drafted this past year, so you have not really had a chance to experience spring training yet. Are you excited to attend your first pro spring this um, coming up in February?
2: Yeah, very excited. You know, um, just being around, uh, you know, everybody in the organization and kind of getting more, some get to know some more guys. Um, you know, I think it's going to be fun. And uh, just starting my first, you know, full year of pro ball, I think uh, that – that's going to be a, a lot of fun and kind of a, another new experience. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it.
1: I mean, you come from a long line of baseball players. Uh, your grandfather was a manager and uh, and played baseball, and then your uncle Keith plays in the MLB as well. Uh, did you get to watch a lot of baseball games as a kid?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of a lot of baseball in the family. Um, you know they. My, my my you know dad uncle grandfather everybody they uh they all taught me a little bit and you know them a lot for um you know kind of as a player you know they kind of molded me when I was young and watching them play and hearing all their stories and all all those things and um, really fun to be a part of and really good to have in my corner
1: well, before I forget about it, um I was hoping that I would get to you before Jane Hansen did, but apparently that's not the case uh but she says hey and hottie toddy so. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I noticed that uh, in your last year, um, you st- stole 16 out of 19 bases, and when you got to the major le- in the minors, you uh, stole uh, nine out of 12 bases. Is that something that you see um, translating into the major leagues?
2: Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, I think that uh, I have a pretty good uh, uh, game speed of just my, uh, you know, pure 60 time. Um, you know, but isn't just off the charts. Um, you know, but when it comes to, you know, getting timing on a pitcher, you know, picking up sequences, you know, when it's, you know, good time to steal or, you know, good jumps, all those things, I think I do a pretty good job of, you know, trying to pay attention to those things, being aggressive, anticipating things. And I think kind of that gives me an edge, um, you know, when I'm on the base paths. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that I, I have a focus on when, when I'm out there.
1: Well, Astros future wants to know what is the biggest difference from playing in the SEC and uh, the lower levels of minor league or pro ball, however you want to consider it.
2: Right. Um. You know, the SEC was awesome. Um, you know, there was a lot of you know, challenges, a lot of really good players. And, um. You know, I learned a lot from it. But then when we get into pro ball. Um. It's just pretty much like that every day. Um. You know, all the best guys off all those teams are now. and Now you're playing those guys every day. So it's, uh, it's not like you have a weekend series and you get a day off to, um, you know, recoup and then you play your midweek game and then build up to the weekend again. Um, you know, you have a good day or a bad day. Next day you're waking up and you're, you're having to get right back after it against that really good competition. So I think that's kind of the biggest difference is just, um, you know, every day being ready to compete against those guys.
1: Speaking of which, out of high school, you're drafted by the Padres in the 26th round in 2016. How hard of a decision was it to go ahead and go play Ole Miss, or was that something that you had planned to do all along?
2: Yeah, no, that was, um, you know, uh, my, my ultimate goal is, you know, to be a big league. You're playing the big leagues a long time, and that, that's always been my goal. And, you know, when I was going through that process um, in high school, you know, it was kind of overwhelming, and, and didn't, you know... Really know what what you know what was gonna be what gonna ha- what was gonna happen. Uh, so you know I I had a I had a, you know, a great option in Ole Miss. And if if it all worked out right, you know I wasn't necessarily you know afraid to start my pro career, but you know it was gonna have to be uh, you know the right round or or whatever it was. Uh, um, you know it just didn't work out that way, and, and there was no no regrets about going to Ole Miss or no you know, should I have done this or not? I mean, going on this was definitely, uh, the right decision for me. And, um, I loved every second of it. And I know, uh, I made a lot of, a lot of memories that, you know, will last me forever there.
1: So where were you when you found it out that you're drafted by the Houston Astros?
2: I was, uh, I was sitting in, um, I was at my parents' house. Um, and we were sitting there, my family and my girlfriend, and we were sitting there watching it. And, uh Next thing you know, my name popped up on the on the board, and it was a really cool moment for for everyone.
1: Yeah, moving up from 26th round to second round, that's a pretty good achievement. Uh, did you have an idea that the Astros were after you before the draft?
2: Not really. Um, yeah, not not much. And um, no, I mean it was kind of a surprise to me. I, but I mean, with that said, I didn't I didn't know what to expect going in. Um, I was just, you know, gonna. had a great year and did all I could do and just was gonna sit there and, um, you know, wait and see. But I was, I was super excited.
1: Was it the second round you thought you would go in or maybe third?
2: You no, know, I thought I had a chance to go day one. I felt, kind of, I mean, I felt that, um, I played well enough where I, I thought I had a chance to be up there. Um, but it's not that I thought I was gonna for sure go, um, early day two. Um, but, but, Day one was was kind of what I had in mind. What I thought I deserved, and um, yeah, I'm just just so glad the uh, Astros thought so too. All
1: right, so um, I know that you've played several different positions so far in the minor leagues. I know your primary position is shortstop. You played a lot of third base, uh, I think at Quad City. So, uh, which one is your favorite?
2: Yeah, no, for sure, shortstop is is home for me. You know, before pro ball, you could probably count on one or two hands. Number of times I, I played a game that wasn't shortstop. So with that, there was a little bit of adjustment. Um, not that you know, I've never played third or second, but just reading balls off the bat there, um, just a little bit different. So after a few games, though, I got more and more comfortable, and um, I can put me anywhere, and I feel you know, feel really good about it. But shortstop is is definitely home.
1: Did only after 12 games at low A ball to high, I mean, not high, a, but um. The Quad Cities?
2: Yeah, I, um, I was another one of those things. I just had no idea what to expect and but just told myself, hey, every day go to the field and do the best I can do the best that I can be and, you know, just enjoy where I'm at. And, you know, I got I, <laughs> I, got pulled out of the game in the first inning and I was like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> and then uh, our manager was like, uh, just, just go sit down. I'll come talk to you in a minute. So then he made all the adjustments in the lineup and stuff and then he came over and told me. So for a second, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And then he told me and, Uh, yeah super cool first promotion and uh yeah it was awesome
1: so uh what what is your most embarrassing moment on the field
2: uh is that of all time yeah of all time um well uh the the biggest one was when i was growing up i completely just whipped a ball like a chopper super easy wasn't hit hard i completely whiffed it and it broke my nose um so that was a good one just because it was one of those um but i'd say the worst is uh in high school, I was, uh, I just changed schools. So I was trying to, you know, make a good impression. And then, uh, I stepped on the bag wrong and I hurt my ankle, but it was not while the play was going. Right. So it was, um, the play was over and no one was even looking. We were throwing the ball around. So I was laying on the ground for like 10 seconds before I noticed anything was wrong. And mm-hmm. then no one knew what was wrong. And then, um, I was like, what's going on with this kid?
1: <laughs> so, um, were there any, um, any adjustments that you've been kind of working on this off season in response to your first taste, uh, cup of coffee with, uh, in pro ball.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, you know, throughout this year, I was kind of, you know, still trying to improve, um, in a lot of areas, but when it comes to hitting, we were, you know, the Astros, and we're just talking about some, some adjustments, um, mainly some lower half things to help me improve and. So really, just been trying to nail nail those all off season, and while uh, just continue to get stronger, faster, bigger, and all those things that uh, you just need to do as you get older. So I'd say uh, those those two have been a big focus points, big focal points for me.
1: I have a pretty good idea who you modeled your uh, your game after. Was there somebody that you really liked watching, non-family that you really liked <clears throat> watching playing baseball?
2: Yeah, growing up, uh, I was a huge Derek Jeter guy. I figured, um, <laughs> yeah, just um you know i feel like he right and no when i was young he was you know in his prime and um that was just kind of the guy i watched and yeah for sure that was that was the, that was the guy
1: i think every shortstop says that that they model their game after him so <laughs> You're
2: right, and, you know i try to try to you know not sound like that but it's true you yeah. know he was just kind of that guy for a lot of people my age
1: so, how do you feel about your future with the Astros? I know it, uh, second base is blocked for a while. Shortstop is blocked at least for the next two years, and then you have Alex Bregman at third base for a while. Um, what are your, um, what, what do you think your chances are in the future?
2: Right. Yeah. Um. A lot of really good players. Um. But uh. You know. I just. I don't. I think those are things that are just so far out of my control. Yeah. Uh, if I just wake up every day and I go to work and. And do what I can do to get better. You know, I feel really good about, uh, you know, my personal abilities. And, yeah, um, I think that, like I said, just wake up and go every day. And whatever they wherever they say go, go do it. And, you know, whether it's third, short, second, or wherever they, they want to put me, I'm, I'll say all right and, and go do it. And just, yeah, do my best.
1: Uh, what are three interesting things about Gray Kessinger that Astros fans need to know? Anything. They don't have to be about baseball.
2: Oh, don't have to be about this. It's three, interesting, just whatever.
1: Yeah, whatever. P G thirteen though.
2: Right, 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 right. Uh so let's say let's think. Uh one thing. I you put me on the spot there, I like. it. <laughs> uh, um, let's say well, for sure, first and foremost, um I'm a I'm a Christian, godly man. Um, you know, without God, um, you know, none of this would be possible. So I think that's very important that i want people to know about me um fun fact about me i've, I've kind of started tinkering around with uh some music stuff I've, I've never took a music class or anything but i just bought like a little keyboard to start making music
1: uh, interested i mean i loved going to uh disney world and seeing the the whole ambiance of just all the pictures talking but i just can't get into it and i guess that's just because i'm 41 years old and just... <laughs>
2: yeah I, that was uh my dad and I, we watched it when I was young, and yeah, I don't know, just, just love some Harry Potter. I, I never got into the, I mean, a little bit of Star Wars, but never did the Lord of the Rings, or not a really TV show person, so never got any TV series, just kind of stuck to Harry Potters.
1: So speaking of Star Wars, did you see the the last movie? I have not. Oh, okay. I'll Is it s- pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty good. I know a lot of uh, the critics don't like it, but I think a lot of Star Wars fans, um, they they like it. Uh, I think it's a lot. I think it's kind of like they could have done like with Twilight and Harry Potter have part one, part two, that type of thing. But right. otherwise, it's a good movie. You need to go see it before it goes out yeah. of theaters. Yeah, for sure. All I right. Sure need to. So before uh, you become a big major leaguer someday, can you go ahead and say uh, you're listening to Eric on? Uh, you say your name and say you're listening to Eric on the Locked On Astros podcast. Hey, I'm Greg Kessinger, and you're listening to Eric on the Locked On Podcast. Alrighty, Well, thanks, and uh, let's definitely check up maybe next off season and see how uh, 2020 went for you, and good luck, buddy.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks. Great interview. When we get back, we're going to go ahead and talk to Jeremy Booth about the whole Astros scandal and all the latest news. So remember, get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Astros on the Himalaya Podcast app, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify listening in your car to or from work every day. All right. Welcome back to Locked on Astros. This is uh, the daily Astros podcast where we talk about Astros baseball all the time for the past two days. I've been talking about the, the verdict from the commissioner, however you want to say it, the Astros statement. It is sent shock waves across baseball and it seems like there's more stuff keep on coming out. And uh, so, first of all, Jeremy, what do you think about this whole situation surrounding the Astros cheating? Oh, sorry. I'm being joined by Jeremy <laughs> Booth of <laughs> Program 15. Sorry about that. First of all, Jeremy, where can they find you on Twitter?
0: <laughs> yeah, at underscore Jeremy Booth on Twitter. Program um, 15, New Balance Baseball Future star Series, uh, former Major League Scout, and baseball analyst on KHOU.
1: Yeah, I guess so, I'm so used to you being on podcasts, I totally forgot to introduce you. So, uh, so, <laughs> so Jeremy Booth, uh, where can they? I mean, uh, so what? Uh, what are your thoughts about this whole cheating scandal? I know you've been kind of warning us on Talking Astros. You've come on ta- uh, Locked On Astros a few times to kind of talk about it. Where are you right now with the Astros?
0: I'm completely out on Jeff Uno and AJ Hinge. And Kevin Goldstein and Pete Patilla and pretty much anybody associated with this culture, Um, I'm out on on Mike Elias, Sigma Doll. I'm out on these guys who, in my mind, anything they've done is 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 suspect. And there's a few reasons for that. You know, we talked about the integrity of the game. We talked about you know um, the culture there. You know, the the, the integrity and the culture here go far beyond the cheating scandal. You know, these are guys who did not did not draft the core of the team that they have won with. They did not draft George Springer. They did not draft Carlos Correa. They did not draft Lance McCullers. They did not draft, um, you know, Dallas Keuchel before he was gone and, and so forth and so on. They drafted Alex Bregman and they had drafted, you know, Kyle Tucker in the same draft, by the way, Tucker, the jury is still very far out on what he's going to be. Um, but they draft, you know, they, they drafted Bregman who was the, was the return for the failed Brady Aiken pick. Right. So, when you start talking about this guy, these guys' legacy, what they did well was they they traded well with what they had in the system, they did a great job of analyzing other teams' organizations, and they did a great job of waiver claims. All of that is very fair to say, right. but they took credit for the draft. And anytime you see people taking credit for work that's not theirs, you, it tells you who they are. Now, I've had some insight into these guys and, and worked against them. Not so much AJ because. Uh, different paths, but certainly Jeff, you know, Luno in in time. And, you know, you don't get to this point where an entire industry turns on you randomly. You get this far because of how you treated people. You get this far because of taking others information and and sharing of goodwill and using it for your uh, benefit and shutting them out of the success and trying to ruin their their lives. And while some of that might sound extreme, um, some of it happened. And it really depends on what lens you're looking at it through for who's going to tell what. Now, Jeff Luno has never ruined my life. He's never done anything personal to me, but I love the game and I believe in the people in it. And I understand, I believe in the uh, the history and tradition and all the parts that that come with this. And, you know, to watch people be treated that way um, is, it it, it makes my stomach turn. Right. It makes my stomach time. And so we've talked about this, Eric, for a couple of years. And, you know, you, you and Brandon, you got are like family to me. You know, we go, we go back a little bit now. And the reality is, um, you know, it wasn't always some fun things to hear with me telling you this stuff was coming, right? Some stuff made it to the air, made it on air, and some stuff didn't. And, and it was just it, – it doesn't feel good for anybody um, to have this happen. You know, unfortunately, the real losers in this situation are the fans. Um, it's not the players, it's not the front office; it's the fans. The fans have waited in this in Houston, Texas, for a World Series championship their entire life, and a golden era of Astros baseball that these guys were given credit for now comes with a little bit of a taint across the country. It just does, and that's sad. These fans didn't deserve that. The team was good enough to not need the cheating, um, and yet they chose to do it anyway. So, uh, you know, for me, it's 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 they it got they were the punishments were light. They should have been suspended for life. Certainly, Luno, AJ, it's his dugout, you know, his 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 reasoning of, you know, I didn't stop it. I should have. It's a bad answer. But, you know, Luno's Luno's throwing the players under the bus, tells you all you need to know about him. And he should have been banned for life. There's no place in the game. Um, and, and, and that's where we sit today. We sit here with a, with a city, two cities affected right now by the 20, uh, 2017 Astros and and there's more follow-up to come, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and I know uh, in Luno's uh, statement afterwards, or, uh, or letter, whatever you want to call it, uh, he was saying that uh, he's not a cheater. And uh, in the report, it says that he di- he never had any knowledge of what was going on with the cheating scandal. And part of the report was saying that uh, Luno got a the, um, memo from manfred after i think it was september fifteenth, two 2017 and never forwarded to uh aj Hinch or any of the players do you think that was just cockiness or he didn't think that it was a big issue or do, uh do you really think that all this happened without luno knowing
0: i think it's um i think it's it's uh completely false and completely uh ridiculous the notion that Jeff Luno did not understand what was going on in his dugout and his clubhouse with his organization. One of or two things happens there. If you don't really know that that's happening, you are doing a terrible job of connecting with your manager and your players and understanding how the flow of the team is working. And you're failing at your job. Okay. Second thing that, that goes on is that if you did know you let it happen, you're a cheater. Ne- Both of them are fireable offenses. Right. Okay. The commissioner and, and Jeff Luno are, are – um, well, I mean, it's clear, it's clear the commissioner has put a lot of stock on what Jeff has told him before. Okay? With the minor league contraction situation, with any number of things that to do with Major League Baseball, this is, this is an, an owner, or a, rather a, a commissioner, who has leaned on this GM to some degree, right? So you have a relationship there. I'm not going to say it was favoritism. I'm going to say there's other guys been banned for life for a lot less. So when I look at what's happened with, with this, to me, Luno's statement was throwing players under the bus, it was indicative of his character. He didn't take responsibility for his actions. He said, yeah, I was the president, and so it stops with me. But at the end of the day, I didn't know anything. That's, that's a bad answer. AJ's answer was a little bit better. AJ's answer was, you know, it, I knew what was going on. I didn't stop it, so I take accountability. That's better. It's better. But it still wasn't all the way where it should have been. If he's the manager, the simple, simple thing is none of you are doing this. Hey, Alex Cora, if you're the one starting it, you're fired. You're fired. People make coaching changes all the time. It happens during the season all the time. It's not, not preferable, but it happens. Okay. So for me, it's just a bad breakdown all the way around. Now the person I do believe to an extent, cause I don't have a reason to not yet anyway, is Jim Crane. I do believe Jim Crane because Jim Crane's standards of I, this is not acceptable. The commissioner's punishment is not enough. You guys are fired. Is the absolutely the right move?
1: Were you surprised absolutely. when they made that move?
0: I was not surprised because the suspension was light. One-year suspension is light. Alex Cora is going to get worse than A.J. Hinch, and probably probably rightfully so because if A.J. Hinch is a year, and Alex did this twice, let's say, um, yeah. he should be at least twice alone. Right? So, you know, it's, it's not it, – It's I wasn't surprised. At that. I, I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm applauding the owner for saying we need a clean slate. We need a fresh start. We're getting rid of these guys. You know, is the same culture – and, and Eric, I was in the stadium, right, on the field, on the field, get ready to do postgame, when you yeah, have Brandon Taubman screaming in Allison Footer's direction, thank God we got Osuna. Thank God we got Osuna. This oh. woman's wearing a domestic domes- – a, a, a she's never said anything about it. She's just been very vocal against Osuna. And the Astros, not, after trading for Osuna, which all of us questioned at the time, I did it on TV, all of us questioned all the time, um, trade for Osuna – then defend him, say he's remorseful when his own attorney comes out later and says he ain't sorry for anything, he didn't, admit, he didn't admit anything. Okay, then they turn around and after and with Taubman deny that this happened, attack the reporter, the reporter's credibility who reported the situation to the point where Major League Baseball has to come down and do another investigation in these guys, figure out that it did happen, right? They turn around and fire Taubman and take another two weeks or a week, rather, to apologize to the reporter. They apologize to the reporter in Washington. I was there for the World Series. And only at prodding. This is an organization that A.J. Hinch stood up, sat down in the famous clip. I was in the room. I was sitting there when he did it, in the interview room, and says, if somebody's got something to say about my team, I suggest they put their name by it. If that's all we knew, that the Yankees were going to, to bother the Yankees, we would have worked on that in spring training. Really? How's that look now? so you're not talking about a culture here that is any place in the game you're not talking about people who are making the right decisions and the answer of you know what i thought they were doing it so we can do it too is like saying you went and robbed a bank because the guy down the street robbed one so you thought it was okay yeah. i want not hear it yeah. i want not hear it there's no place for these guys in baseball it's too bad for aj Hinch because i've always said up until now he did an excellent job with this team of managing personalities and line of personnel um, there were a couple analytical decisions that, to me, didn't go that way that should have been more baseball-guided, but that's baseball. That's the way they chose to play it, okay? At the end of the day, the ethics and the culture of this group has no place in the game, and I'll be shocked if they work in baseball again. You can't trust Jeff Luno to run an organization, and he's such a a, 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 a micromanager and, and someone who has to be at the top of everything. There's no chance he's going to take a, 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 a role that's less than leading the ship. It's not going to happen. And you can't trust him in that role either. And when it comes to uh, A.J. Hinch, how do you trust him to do that again? How do you trust this isn't going to happen? Pete Rose is banned for life for betting on his team to win. His team to win. This guy was knowingly part of a a, a scheme to cheat other teams in real time using technology. How do you let him manage again?
1: Yeah, and I know – Go
0: ahead. That's that's where I am, Eric. I I know I'm passionate about it, but these guys did a lot of things to accomplish a narrative that isn't, that is false, right? And there's been a lot of battles fought um, publicly and privately over this. You know, I've watched some fans in Houston be very upset um, at people, uh, not just me, but guys, people like Ken Rosenthal and other reporters out there who have said, um, who who have dared to speak against Luno, like attacking them. And it's too bad. It doesn't have to be that way. How does that look now? If you spend all this time attacking people who are telling you the truth and they're right, how does that look? Yeah. So, like I said, the real losers here in the city, it's the city of Houston and the fans. Um, the city will go on. It's going to be compared to the 1919 Black Sox. People need to realize that. And it's going to go forward. And the best thing the Astros can do right now is, is reset their course, turn the page entirely, and, and go ahead. Move
1: forward. Um, uh, One thing I want to talk about before we talk about the manager search and other stuff like that is, do you think that this will taint uh, somebody like Jose Altuve's legacy as a potential Hall of Famer down the road?
0: Um, The question that people are going to ask with guys like Altuve and Springer um, is the one that I asked about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds didn't need to do it. Barry Bonds was was a Hall of Famer without any help. Okay? Right. It needs to be said. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer without any help. But he chose to get help, did he not? Yeah. Right? He chose to, to break the rules. He's not in the Hall of Fame, is he?
1: The well, he could he be. Goes in the
0: hall of fame, <laughs> he could be, but he's not yet. And the people have said for a long time now that his if he goes in the Hall of Fame, there should be an asterisk, right? Right. I'm not saying it's the same thing. I'm saying, where do you stop the comparison? Where do you stop the comparison? I don't think Altuve ever needed to know what was coming. I think he's one of the best players in the game. I think George Springer is one of the best players in the game. I think Alex Gregg was one of the best players in the game. This king didn't need it, but it's hard to figure out where that where that comes into play. It's hard to figure out who used it and who didn't. I have my guesses on who used it and who didn't. We'll never know. That'll 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 go to its grave and. If anything, the World Series is tainted, and they figure out figure out the rest of it at the
1: end. Yeah, and I, I was kind of thinking about that too. Maybe down the road, this will kind of go away. But maybe Jose Altuve's stats after this will prove that he's still. But I know we're still a long way. He's still young in his career, but he's already achieved more than Craig Biggio did at this point in his career. So uh, we'll have to see how that affects it down the road. So the next I think thing, that's fair. yeah, I
0: think that's fair. I think that's the right approach. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So I think uh, the next thing we need to kind of discuss is what's next for the Astros. I know that they've lost uh, two picks this year. I know they got that pick for Garrett Cole, um, so they have that extra pick there. I know they have a much smaller salary uh, a bonus pool this year because they lost the first two round picks. Uh, where do they go with manager? Is there anybody that you have in mind who would be perfect for the Astros? And then we'll talk about GM in a second.
0: You know, I I feel like uh, it's a lot to unpack with that, right? So I'll start with um, the the immediate go-forward. And Jim Crane said he's going to manage baseball operations for right now um, and and see what happens. I think that in the interim, what you do, because you're a month out from spring training, getting anybody from another club is going to be extremely difficult. It's going to be hard, okay? So you're not going to have that happen. People are preparing for their own season. So in the interim, you're going to be forced to – you know, and, and probably rightly so, for the next six months or so, elevate some people from within to get you past the all-star break, okay? You can essentially forget anybody signing here in free, as free agency. I said that at the start of the offseason. You can forget that happened. Matter of fact, I told you for a couple of years now that when people got a chance, they were going to leave. Didn't I say that? Yeah. did I said that? They got a chance they We're going to get out of here because of the way these guys treated people. So now you're in a situation where that's now come to pass. I don't think you see anybody else really a significant show up here, all right? So I think the the part that these guys need to do is immediately, you know, promote Joe Espada to interim manager. It is fair to give him the interim title because A.J. Hinch was your manager until 48 hours ago. Okay. You then turn around and you give, um, uh, you know, whoever is is left, Pete Catilla probably is, is the candidate. You probably make him the interim general manager for now, for now. But and both, both about- of
1: these guys have been around while uh, AJ Hinch is supposedly letting this happen because it, it went into 2018, according to a report. So does Jim Crane trust that uh, he won't um, do the same thing? And then, uh, um, what can you say about Padilla and his? Um, he's been working with AJ Hinch since 2017. And- well,
0: that, that's why I've got the interim tag. I just think yeah. you have to find some kind of stability now. Because you can't sit there open, and nobody in baseball is going to drop what they're doing and take a job until you fill the GM spot. You're not going to get a manager to walk away from something with no GM and walk in there. Yeah, you know, if you if you do, it, it, the new GM is going to have the autonomy and the right to turn around and make that change. And it's going to have to be somebody that's a free agent. And I'm not saying there aren't good free agent candidates out there. There are. I just think it's unlikely. So I think the immediate interim is to elevate Patilla. And to elevate a squad with the interim tag, right, let them get you past the all-star break in the draft, which is when other organizations will turn around and look and allow you to start talking to their people, right, and prepare to, at the end of the season, have somebody else different. It's pretty similar. It's not exact. It's similar to what the Diamondbacks did with Jerry Depoto a few years ago um, back in 2011 when uh, Barrett Lux – I'm sorry, not Barrett Lux. Barrett was a draft pick. Josh Burns was like, oh. Okay, Josh Burns was let go. DePoto was still there. He stepped in the interim tag, didn't get the job, and left shortly after that in Anaheim. Okay, So I feel like that's kind of what you're looking at. So that immediately gives you some stability. Then the real work begins. This team is not a bad team for 2020 as it stands, but it's far short on the mound. I think everybody can agree with that, right? It's far short on the mound from getting back to, to even winning the West or getting back to the World Series. So the question has to be asked, are you, are you fighting with George Springer over five million dollars, we know that they had a, a, a he filed a grievance against the team for stopping his service time five six years ago, right? Um, and that that's number one. So on the way in, he's upset with you, and the way out, he's upset with you. I don't think he comes back. I think that's done. I think we we can fairly establish that, right? So he's got one more year on his contract. Altuve, you know, is is somebody who's in his prime. You know, if you're ready to contend two three years from now. Where does he sit? Is it better to move him? I know that's going to hurt people or hurt me. It hurts me to even say it. You get five or six players back and let him say thank you to Houston and send him off after such a good run. Or you keep him here the entire time. Um, Alex Bregman is obviously not going anywhere. Correa, you know, he fits that Bregman youth movement where he's still good enough to keep around. Right. You don't have to keep around that. If you are good in two years from now, then, um, you know, he's somebody that'd be part of that core. It's just it, you have some decisions to make. We have some colors. you know, what do you do with these guys? And I think that Crane has to make that decision, not Patilla. Crane has to make that decision based on what he thinks his outlook is without these four draft picks, right? Um, without a scouting staff that's proven the ability to draft anybody of any kind of real value other than Alex Bregman. and that was Michael Elias, right? Um, you don't know what you got. But if you think Tucker's your guy, you think Bregman's good. you know you got Alvarez, right? I think you have some players here who are okay. need to go add some pieces to it and contend again in, in 24 months. And so I think the short term is the interim tag, and then they go find a new GM and a manager in that order.
1: Are there any of the names – here's the list that was released by um, Berman, of uh, Mark Berman of the um, – I think it's Channel 26, but he said um, Espada, like you already mentioned, Bruce, uh, Bruce Bocci, uh, Baker, Showalter, Jeff Bannister, Will Venable, and Raul Ibanez. And that's kind of a weird name because he – I think he had a cup of tea with the Astros, right, I want to say?
0: Um. Yeah, he did. I, I, would, I What I would suggest – is that we get away from the new people right now you need this, this city needs some stability yeah you need some people who have some credibility and some stability so you know Bochi follows that fits that 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 um that name dusty baker fits that you know that opportunity or in that credibility line um buck show in theory would fit that you know boston's looking for a new manager too right without as much of an upheaval so you gotta figure one of those guys might end up there right um I feel like that's kind of your short list. I don't believe in the rest of the names. I think he's completely off on some of those things. You know, Ron Washington should be on that list. I know it's maybe it's an immediate list rather than a long-term list, but Ron Washington should be there. Um, there's some other candidates across baseball that would stand out of guys that should be doing this and aren't yet, um, aren't getting another chance to do it. So I think you got a four- or five-person list there, but I think none of that matters till you hire a GM, and I think that's your most important hire at this point is a GM reason why is because for the next 24 months, the Astros are going to be in a different spot. Minimum. Minimum. You have to get value for what you have. The farm system is now a bottom third system. Now, I've been telling you guys, saying that for a couple of years, been going back and forth, they still have people to trade from. It really is a bottom third system. After that, four or five guys at the top, there's nothing left there of impact. And those guys that they had at the top are just okay with the exception of Corporate Martin. He's probably a reliever, and they're all traded. So you have Granky who's leaving soon. You have Verlander who's leaving soon. You have Springer who's leaving soon. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here. I'm trying to be smart, right? The GM who gets in place has to be able to draft and develop and get people to want to work for him. If you have another culture issue like you had this time, the city is going to take ten years to recover. Yeah. So you have to have things that go go right this way. Your GM hires your most important hire, somebody who's respected. It can be a new GM, but it can't be a 30, 32 year old. Uh, Kid, analytical kid. When all everything analytics-wise, especially what the, the Astros did, has got to be uh, suspicious at this point. You don't know if it was working or not. You don't know if it's true. There was nothing on the roster that, that, sh- that showed any kind of analytical uh, tint, uh, uh tendency, uh, predilection, picky adjective. There's nothing on the roster that said this was an analytical team. It was all driven by scouting, profile defenders, frontline pitching, and power bats. It's what it was, it's what it was driven by and all of that was left for them or acquired even the even uh, Brantley even Brantley is a profile defender with a profile bat That's what he means he's an everyday run producer okay so there's nothing there that these guys had that says analytics played a played a part joe smith is an analytical sign will harris is not
1: yeah so right. it's uh- so- so what it sounds like is that you want the, you think the Astros should be patient. Just don't rush into getting a manager so you can get ready for spring training. Just give that to Espada and then take your time and find the manager who would fit best with his team. But before that, you need to get a general manager uh, in place so that way the manager knows that he's safe. Um, so um,
0: so that people can move forward cohesively. Right. I, and I'll, I'll leave it I'll leave with this. Okay. These guys have people out there that have left this organization that would love, that would, I'm gonna say love, that would be willing to come back to Houston, that will build this appropriately, who have taken the steps to get there. Bobby Heck, if he's not considered as a crime. It's a crime. Clinton McCracken was an excellent asset in that front office. Yeah. Okay. He should be considered to come back here. There's people who would love to come back to the city of Houston who value their time and who want to make the Astros winners and did. They just didn't get the credit for it. So Jim Crane has a, needs to go back to somebody who understands it, who's willing to take the jump with him, who can get through, you know, uh, the four picks they're not going to have right now. Um, rebuild that scouting department, which is decimated. Rebuild the player development department in a way that's actually going to move players forward um, and, and and inspire some faith again uh, amongst the clubhouse and amongst the, the industry so that this becomes a place people want to play again because it's a great place to play.
1: Yeah, and it's uh it's gonna be a good team this year, and uh, a lot of people are still projecting them to win the AL West. We'll have to see what happens. But the final question I have for you, Jeremy, is something that's still unresolved. I know that no players can be punished underneath uh, the uh, Rob Manfred statement, but uh, we have the whole uh, Carlos Beltran situation and I know that he was just hired as the Mets uh, sorry Mets manager he's supposed to be there for three years Uh, they probably gave him I don't know how much money but they gave him some money Uh, I don't know if I mean for the same reasons the Red Sox said that they don't think uh, Alex Cora could properly manage the team anymore I don't know how you can think a rookie manager could manage a team with his name uh, prominently the only player's name mentioned in the report.
0: I, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I don't understand and don't know how they're going to make that one work, bud. I don't. I feel like it's a situation where they have to look at Carlos and say, "Listen, this isn't something that, um, you know, that, that was a met problem. It's something that's going to be." a distraction here. It's something that people are not going to let go. You're in New York, right? What is it you want to do with this? And I think you put it in his court. Like you don't have grounds to fire. The guy. So you can't fire him, right? You can't do that. You don't have grounds to do it, but you do have You can have a very adult conversation about it and say, what are you going to do when 162 games a year, you're being heckled at home and on the road. And if you don't win, you're going to be told you need the cameras to help you.
1: <laughs> yeah. What
0: are you going to do? And how does that affect the ball club? Does it make the Mets a less opportune place to play? Um, what does that say about Brody Van Wagenen? It goes deeper than Carlos Beltran because Van Wagenen hired him. There's now an ownership change in New York, right? And the new owner isn't going to want to deal with this. Yeah. Right? How do you not know this is going to be out there? It's not. It wasn't a secret in, in the insider baseball circle this was going on. matter of fact, during the postseason, and I'm not going to tell you who made it because it's irrelevant, there was a joke being made. Of, where's, where's the camera room? Where are they getting the pictures from? Yeah. Seriously in the tunnels. So I'm trying to say, I'm saying it to say it this way. All right. Anybody who's connected to this is going to have a circus. The Baltimore Orioles are going to have a circus with this. Michael Elias and Sigma doll are connected to the 2017 Astros. They got a ring and the 18 Astros. So it's, it's an interesting situation to see where this really stops. I think with Beltran, um, if I was him, I would probably hold my post for now. See how it played out. If it got too distracting, I'd resign. And I can't resign a month before spring training. I just can't do it.
1: Yeah, so we'll have to see what happens with that whole situation. But I, I think it's going to be too much of a distraction, especially him just trying to learn how to be a manager for the first time. And then uh, can you really have the respect of your team? And the, a lot of people say that uh, A.J. Hinch had the respect of his team, uh, that he was a player's manager, but same time, Maybe he let things go too much. And so uh, there's a, we could keep on going hours and hours on this discussion. But all right, uh, Jeremy, thanks for your time. And where can they find your work? Uh, and where can he uh, watch you on TV?
0: So, Eric, always great to, to uh, talk baseball with you, man. It's been a few years we've been doing this. Um, started out, I guess, doing this with you guys, right? I'm talking shows. Yes. So uh, you guys can find me at KHWU. Uh, during baseball season, it's three or four times a week, whether it's on Sports Extra or the Extra Basis podcast with Jason Bristol or appearing just sometimes on news with regular analysis. Um, Twitter at underscore Jeremy Booth. And uh, feel free to, to follow and ask questions and talk baseball.
1: All right. Well, thanks. And uh, we'll catch back up a little bit later in, uh, I guess, during spring training. Always good to talk baseball with you, man. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right, guys, that's all we got for tonight's Locked On On Astros podcast. Remember, get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Astros on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Listen in car to or from work every day.